X State of Mind, episode 104. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello and welcome back to the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows. Today, we start our series on Sober October, talking about sobriety, talking about the benefits of abstaining from alcohol and really any substance that is not serving your body uh, for an entire month. Today, I start this off with talking to my friend, Nicole Rodriguez. Uh, If you guys have been following along, she was a guest earlier this year. Uh, We talked then about the benefits of meat in a diet. Today, we're going to spend some time talking about the benefits of abstaining for alcohol for a, a period of time. Uh, it's been pretty well documented that I have not drank alcohol for quite a long time now, but uh, we wanted to, Nicole and I had this concept that we wanted to talk to about the last time we were on the podcast together, uh, but she wanted to kind of dive in and see the benefits of even abstaining from it from a little bit of time and how beneficial that can be. And when you can reevaluate your relationship with alcohol, how beneficial it can be to your overall health. Um, I really enjoy Nicole. Uh, She is a friend of mine and I have had so much great interaction with her online and offline. Uh, Really excited one day to meet her in person. So, all right, here you go with our interview with Nicole Rodriguez. All right, Nicole Rodriguez, welcome back to the Ag State of Mind podcast. How have things been since you and I talked last? Well, talked last on here, I guess I should say. (laughs) Thank you, Jason, for having me again. Things have been great, and I know we've connected through beef largely, and Today, I had the pleasure of hosting a panel for Climate Week NYC talking about cattle's role in a sustainable food system. So really great beefy day for me as I come onto the podcast of one of my favorite fellow masters of beef advocacy graduates. So that's really interesting. I didn't know you were doing that today. If you don't mind, tell us just a a little bit about that, about how that panel went. Did you say it was for New York City? Yeah. So right now the UN is hosting the Food Systems Summit. So that's a really large event going on in New York City this week. And there are many other climate and food security related events happening around that. So this in particular, they're calling Climate Week New York City. And I suppose some of these events were live, but we had a virtual uh, a virtual session. And uh, um, the panel members were a chef, a PhD, and a a rancher and myself. So I got to moderate and kind of offer the nutrition take, but everyone offered their perspective on the role of beef and of course of 
the life cycle of cattle and how it all plays a role in, of course, being protective of the environment, how it contributes to a diet that's sustainable and enjoyable, and what consumers can do to make their own meal patterns more sustainable and do a little bit better by the environment, right? Because it's not a lot about how we eat, but some other decisions we're making. Sure. So I think for uh, anyone who has done some research into the sustainability of beef or the, the climate argument with beef, is very familiar with the was it was a UN report several years ago talking about uh, livestock's long shadow. Yes, and that was I don't remember what year it was, but I think it was several years ago. So have attitudes in the UN at least become more open to the fact that it, it can be part of a sustainable and healthy diet. I think we're moving the needle in the right direction in a lot of ways. I think one thing is there are a lot of people in the actual space with larger platforms to deliver information. So now there's less of a middleman in getting some of this information about farming and ranching. So I think that's really, really great. And uh, just my two cents, I think people are starting to recognize that if you're talking about whether or not you can eat beef, that's a pretty privileged conversation, right? So right. we, not yeah. everyone around the world has the option to say, oh, I'm, I'm not eating beef and I'm going to have this alternative. So uh, I, I, think, I think people are turning into that a little bit more and kind of checking that privilege, which is a positive thing as well. Um, and and as time goes by, more and more and more data comes to the forefront about all of those protective measures that farmers and ranchers are taking to not only deliver this great product, but to protect their natural environments. So I think it's going in the right direction. We obviously need more voices out there positively advocating for the industry um, in, in a way that speaks a language that people are going to understand and be receptive to, but we're, we're getting there. That, you know, that's great. And I, I, you made a really good point there in saying that you know, when that initial report came out, how many every years ago, we did not have the online presence within the beef community to kind of fight back against some of that misinformation. And you're, you're absolutely right. That is one thing I think we are doing a much better job of is getting some of real information out there from, you know, not just producers, but like yourself, a dietitian and from a chef. And, you know, we always talk about Dr. Frank Nittenloner, who is uh, very, very integral to this conversation, talking about the effect of cattle on the environment and how they aren't the, the scapegoat that everyone has made them out to be in, not everyone, shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people who have made. So uh, we're, we've definitely made strides in that part of the, of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, look at Farm Babe having a conversation, getting to the higher ups of Burger King when... They right. put out misinformation about cattle and the environment. So I think it just goes to show that these voices really matter and they can make an impact on 
uh, obviously the course of how some companies do business, but potentially on policy too. So I think it's all really important to stay vocal. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. So that was kind of an unintended tangent, but I am very <laughs> appreciative of the work that you're doing because it takes someone with a, your unique perspective to get out there and do that work. So it's much appreciative. But the reason I had you on today, and this is kind of picking up a little bit where we left our conversation off. Uh, it was around the first of the year. It was January, the last time uh, we had you on the podcast. And we're going to talk about the benefits of even giving up alcohol for just a little bit. And uh, I'll, I'll let you know, Carrie and I were kind of discussing this little series that I'm going to do on sobriety, on, you know, giving up alcohol even for a little time. And we were trying to structure it. And if anybody knows me, knows I'm not a very structured person. I, I shoot off my hip. I don't usually have a plan for things. Just try to throw things out there and hope it all sticks. But sometimes that serves me really well. Sometimes it bites me, but uh, she was trying to like help me come up with a way to structure this month of sober October. And she said, well, how about this? How about, you know, what are you going to talk to each person about? And I told her, you know, I have some guests set up where we're going to share their sobriety story. I'm going to share my sobriety story, but I'm also going to talk to Nicole about the benefits of it. She goes, well, why not have her introduce the month? Because, you know, sometimes I think people want to give it a shot, right? They don't necessarily want to make a long-term commitment, but they want to give it a shot. And that's why I think Sober October has become so popular for people is it gives them that like little bit of fresh air. And, you know, I know a lot of people who continue it uh, through the months after that. And some people don't, but uh, I thought that was a very, it's a very important place where you can kind of come in at the start and you know, maybe give people a little bit of motivation for that. Yeah, well, that wife of yours is always spot on. We know this. I find it hard to believe <laughs> that I find it hard to believe that you're not super organized and that you just throw stuff out there because anyone who's listening also probably knows that you manage a lot of different things. So <laughs> it's contained chaos. I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> I like that expression. So I really like First of all, say I like that you're starting with this concept of October. And I'll tell you a little bit about, I guess, what I would call my journey. And I'm I'm very hesitant to call it a sobriety journey because I don't want to take away from anyone who is 100% sober and who has maybe gone through certain steps, gotten to a certain place through specific programming. But there is a ton of value, as you said, in, in giving alcohol at least a little bit of a rest. So a few years ago, I decided to do a sober Lent with one of my friends. She does it every year. And I'm not religious like that, but she was like, oh, this is great. And you're going to feel amazing. And I wasn't even drinking that much at the time, but I wanted to join her. And really that six weeks went by and I revisited alcohol on Easter and I felt like complete garbage after maybe a glass of sangria and was like, whoa, hold on. Maybe I'm onto something here. So 
first of all, what, what, what do you think constitutes a lot of drinking, Jason? Like in your mind, what sounds like someone's drinking a lot? Wow. I mean, how, how my definition of that has changed over the years, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, uh, for the longest time, like when I was in college, I mean, it was probably, you know, there were some weeks where I drink five or six beers every night, you know, sure. beer was always my drink of choice. So, uh, there for a while, I thought probably anything above that was excessive now. Uh, and as I've grown older now that I don't drink at all, uh, I think probably to excess is probably more than I'd say two drinks a night is definitely pushing it. Um, maybe even one or two drinks a week. Maybe it shouldn't be uh, as far as, as health is concerned. I don't know. That's just me speaking off the cuff. Yeah. So you're really right on target there. And I think it's really important to step back and take note of what is considered you know, by government health and dietary guidelines, what is considered a serving, what is recommended. And really it's, I'm sure you've heard this before. It's a drink a day for women, two drinks a day for men. So now we're not talking half a bottle of wine. When we're talking about a, a glass of wine, I believe that's a five ounce serving, or we're talking mm -hmm. about one shot of a, an alcohol, a spirit, or we're talking about having that 12 ounce beer and that's it. And for men, two of those servings. So what, what I really like to invite people to do is take a look at your week and okay, so maybe you're not having, maybe as a woman, you're not having a drink a day. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But what happens on Friday night? What happens on Saturday night? Does that turn into three or four or five drinks? And then, is, you know, is that excessive? And we have some of that data that says that binging is, is even worse. So I think it starts with, let's take a look like, where am I at? Because you might not think two glasses of wine a night as a woman is excessive, but right there by definition, it's not really the greatest thing for your health. And you might just not realize it, right? Because you've become just sort of conditioned to living your life like that, waking up and feeling a certain way, and it becomes your norm. And I think mm -hmm. that's fair to say for a lot of people. So. I ended up going stretches as long as 18 months without drinking at all. And now I go at least, you know, I go stretches six weeks throughout the entire course of, through the entire course of the year. And, you know, I might be a little bit more flexible with myself in the summer, but I th going back to what you're saying, it's sober October, right? So if, mm -hmm. if you can make it through October, reevaluate. I think there's so much value and it can be so eye-opening for so many people to go through the holiday season, that like Thanksgiving time and Christmas, whatever you're celebrating time and see what that feels like without a glass of something in your hand and lean in and say, 
okay, well, one, am I really eating what I want to be eating or am I eating under the influence of alcohol? Am I drinking this because I'm really enjoying myself in my company or am I drinking this because I'm uncomfortable in this social situation, right? Um, Am I trying to escape some kind of feeling or do I really want this glass of champagne? So there's, there's so much more and it's so much more heightened during that season. And I think if you make it through that at least one year, try that on for size. And if this is your year, great. If it's not till next year, maybe revisit again, but there's, I think there's so much to be learned about yourself and such a great sense of pride when you come out of the holidays and say, you know what? I survived it. I thrived. I feel great. And I did it alcohol free. Yeah, no, you're, you're hundred percent right. And you know, the first time I ever heard this concept of sober October, I think I was listening to uh, the Joe Rogan podcast and I think it's more about and obviously the benefits of no alcohol for a month are very uh, tangible. Like you said, uh, once you gave it up for a while and then drank soon after that, you, you know, it kind of felt like garbage. But I think the, another thing about it that's maybe, maybe discounted, maybe not thought about enough is, you know, the fact that you absolutely can do something that's difficult and let's face it if if alcohol is a part of your life and you take it away it's just like anything else if you take that away uh, it's it's going to be a major life adjustment and i think whenever you can do that you can find that yourself you uh you become a little less dependent on it when you understand that it's not something that can control you anymore yeah, I think that's such a I think that's such a great feeling. And I want to circle back to some of those other tangible health benefits. So if you're familiar at all with my social media, I'm a huge advocate for fitting all the foods that you love in your diet. And mm-hmm. I but I do think if there's you're going to eliminate something when people, oh, what's the one thing I can stop now? Well, if you're drinking, why don't we we'll take that off the table and see? And I think, you know, some of the really big ones are, number one, you're probably going to sleep better, mm-hmm. especially if you're consuming close to bedtime, because initially you might think like, oh, I'm having this glass, I'm going to relax and fall asleep. But what happens later on in the evening is that it's actually a disruptor. So you're probably mm-hmm. going, you're probably going to sleep better. You know, when you're excessive, you're risking dehydration. Where does that really show up besides feeling it in your body? It it can show up in your skin too. And no one really wants it. No one really wants that, right? Uh, You're going to feel like you can tackle your workouts better, whatever those might look like. And, And Jason, I know that you lift, you run, you do a lot of different things and I think that's a lot of us out there. It's a lot easier to get up and really bring your best self when you've had that refreshed night of sleep and there's you know nothing going on through your system aside from your meal and your hydration, right? But I think it's really that oh, if we're talking nutritionally, it's like one, yes, there's literature that might suggest 
a glass of wine for heart health or something to that effect, right? So we see these Mm -hmm. studies come and we see these studies go, but you're really hard pressed to find something that says, yeah, you should be drinking vodka or (laughs) yes, you should have a whole (laughs) bottle of wine and then sit on your ass on the couch and not do anything and, and, you know, kind of like drop off to sleep. So, you know, one, there is no there's really no nutritional nutritional benefit, but I think more importantly, and this kind of goes back to what we were saying about the holidays, you you can't be a hundred percent aware of of what you're about to put into your body if you're slightly under the influence of something, right? So, I think that's when if you're trying to watch what you eat or just trying to live a mostly healthy lifestyle and have balanced meal patterns, that's a lot easier when alcohol's not in the equation. Cause let's go back to those college days, Jason. Like we all had those, we all had those nights of mm-hmm. having a few too many and and food wise, where does that end up? You know? Oh, it's to the courtesy diner on on Hampton in St. Louis <laughs> at three in the morning eating sliders. I mean, listen, See how many sliders we can eat? Listen, and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with sliders. That's a, you know what? I'm not tr- not trying to discourage anyone from eating sliders, but are you? There's nothing wrong with sliders except exactly. when you have about. 12. Well, that might be pushing <laughs> that because you're trying to sop up like God knows what you were drinking, right? So there's there's right. some, you know, there's some nuance there. So and and again, does this have to be there are people who go there and decide to live their whole lives like yourself and that's that's great and you just go on about your business that way. But I think it's important for people to realize like this is something you can do for at least a little while, reap the benefits, mm-hmm. reevaluate and see how maybe even like stretches can fit into your life. So even if say someone's drinking every night of the week, I might start by saying like, okay, well, we're going to curtail this during the week and maybe on the weekend, we're going to see what that looks like and play around with intake on the weekend. But starting somewhere with curtailing it, if especially if you're beyond that one a day for women and two for men, you can have a lot of benefits. Yeah. And I think, so you brought up a lot of really great points and I'm going to kind of individually address them and the first thing is is sleep is the like because i remember like whenever i was young and i drank a lot more i was always under the impression that alcohol helped me sleep but i think that was i i I don't know like why i said that other than for just kind of self-justification or because i was too dumb to know any better but like then i got to realizing there were times where i wouldn't drink like wow i slept a lot better than and i you know whenever i would wake i felt more refreshed and you know when you wake up after especially a heavy night of drinking uh, it you just, you know, obviously feel like crap and you just feel drained and not refreshed whatsoever. And, you know, so I think that's a big misnomer people have is alcohol, having that glass of whatever helps me relax and then I go to sleep better. And it's like you said, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case because it does kind of mess with your circadian rhythm. It messes with uh, the chemistry in your body and it doesn't make you, it, it disallows you to sleep like you should. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be a huge disruptor. And, you know, I'll add also, again, you shouldn't start any kind of supplementation without specifically speaking with your dietitian or with mm-hmm. your healthcare provider. But I, I you know what I look forward to at night. I look forward to a glass of something called natural calm. It's a magnesium supplement and mm. it really does. It really does aid that falling asleep for some of us folks with, with busy minds and things like that. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, you know, it's great when I need that, I take that and it, and it feels great. But to think that alcohol is going to have that effect of helping you fall and stay asleep and be relaxed is, is just not the case, especially in the long term. Right. Right. And, and another thing you said is the, it's not so much the drinking. I mean, that is part of it. That is necessarily not as healthy for you, but it's the decisions you make when you drink. And I'm not necessarily talking about the typical inebriated stories of doing whatever, making bad choices. I mean, even though those are obviously can be terrible for your health, but I'm thinking of the more subtle things like, like you said, uh, having a glass of wine and deciding to s- sit on the couch the rest of the night instead of go out and go for a walk. Or you have some beers while watching the football game and you eat a whole bag of chips or whatever that may be, a whole bag of pretzels, whatever it may be. So it's not just the alcohol that you're consuming, it's what that invites along with it, I think is, is the, is the key there is like what really makes it an overall thing that uh, can, you know, if it's too much can be really detrimental. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll be candid here and because this will tie right back into beef. So I I think, you know, giving some flexibility and saying like, okay, I'm going to have these like certain drinking occasions, even then you have to watch it to make sure that doesn't turn into too much. And I bring it up because, you know, after I know we're still in pandemic or kind of, you know, post 2020, I hadn't seen Mm -hmm. my best friend and her husband like months and months. And we live pretty close by to one another on Long Island. So it was like, I was like at this Girl Scout event all day. I was like, yeah, I'm going to blow off some steam tonight. My best friend's coming. We're going to go to this late night burger spot, but we're going to have a couple of drinks at the apartment first. And mind you, I'm a person who doesn't really drink a lot anymore. So Mm -hmm. for me to say like, oh, I'm going to have a, you know, like, hey, great time and have a couple of drinks. And we get to, we get to this burger place and it's called Black Door and you have to like, it's, it's only open like past 10 and you have to knock on a secret door and people line up. It's this whole big thing. But we, we ended up like, I don't want to say getting into it, but like practically harassing these like teenage boys who were just like from out of town trying to get burgers, right? Would I have done that? So I was like, oh, you, I was like, oh, you guys think you were first in line? Like, I don't think so. I know this is on Instagram and everything that I'm first in line. So even just those, uh, just like those social decisions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't had two cocktails before heading out for burgers, that probably wouldn't happen. And I had to like kind of rethink that the next day. So it all, it's, it's all kind of relevant. 
Yeah, no, hundred percent is. And I like, I hear you saying that. I'm like, yeah, that I, I could have, I could see myself in that situation <laughs> at a certain time in my life. You know, there's uh, we won't get into that so much because uh, the biggest deal is because Levi edits the podcast and I'm not going to dare <laughs> have him hold anything over my head. It's okay. I, I, I put it out. Hey, you know what? When someone might be between you and your favorite burger and you've had a couple of drinks, things can get a little, Rowdy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just to shift, because you said something there, um, and this is this is off topic, but what is what is the pandemic on Long Island looking like now in late 2021? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So, I mean, things seem relatively normal on the outside, but I do have friends working in different clinical settings in, on Long Island and in New York City, and we do have this concern of numbers rising as far as hospital hospitalizations. Our kids are in school. They're wearing masks. Otherwise, it's, it's, a, lot better than, it's a lot better than where we were. Mm-hmm. And I think you know people are protecting themselves the best they can, and just hoping, hoping that the winter isn't ugly, and that, um, yeah. and that it doesn't sort of coexist with a bad flu season this year. I think that's another concern always. Sure, you know, and that's the thing about the, and that's the thing about um, this whole deal is you know, there. It's 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 not just a singular health concern. It's a, it's an an addition to the health concerns that are already there. And uh, as far as COVID concern from a clinical point of view, um, it's, it's, it's as bad as it ever has been in my part of the country, which is, uh, it's kind of hard to, hard to swallow sometimes um, because uh, it's, but you know what though, Nicole, and I said this to Carrie, I said, you know, because we're finding there's, we're having a lot of people, especially older people, especially people who aren't necessarily in the best health, uh, that are losing the battle. Yeah. And, um, we had a close, uh, someone who is very, very well thought of in our community, a business owner, someone who's very, it was a very big deal in our community, just pass away this, uh, just this past week. And, you know, it just kind of hit me and I told Carrie, I said, you know, that's, if, if nothing else, I mean, all this stuff is terrible. All this stuff that has happening, all these people who are passing away, it, it breaks my heart. But um, if it is, if I can look back on this when I'm that age, when I'm 15, 60, and kind of remember what it was like, maybe that's the, all the fuel I need, all the passion that I need to keep myself uh, in the best shape I can for as long as I can. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and, and to, you know, make, make sure to get the best out of life. Um, you know, and it's not to be, it's not meaning I'm going to be a strict person and not, uh, enjoy life, but at the same time, um, you know, make sure to always take care of my health for, for not just for my sake, but for my kids and hopefully one day my grandkids sake. Yeah, and you bring up a couple of really great points there. One, we've seen the numbers and people drank a lot the past couple of years, mm. right? And some mm-hmm. people might still be kind of digging out of digging out of that a little bit, drinking that might be more excessive than what they're used to. But you know, you say 
living, you know, living your best life and your best health. I, I don't know about you. I find it really hard to parent if I'm not fully present and not under any kind of influence, you know? So like one, there's that, there's the immediacy of that. But I I also, I think there's a lot of mommy wine culture that has just become really acceptable. And I don't know, I I think it's national. You see it on social media and things, but I, Mm -hmm. I live in a town where it's acceptable for someone to just be like at the bus stop with a red solo cup or, you know, pushing a stroller and, the carafe is full of wine. And, you know, does a baby know that? No. But I, I do think sometimes that I don't want my daughter to look at me and think like, oh, mommy's always drinking or anything mm, like that. So yeah. I, you know, I think for those of us with, with kids, I, I, feel like it's, I feel like it's worth a thought and then a second thought that we're we're setting an an example and you could say one thing like oh don't oh don't go drinking and you know will every kid go and drink a little bit sure but mm-hmm. it's a lot easier i think to have that conversation later about like hey don't overdo it i think it'll be a lot harder if you're you're the one <laughs> sitting there every night right you know what i mean yeah. half in the bag so that's a really interesting point and and I, that's lived experience for me. You know, I grew up, I'm the youngest of five. Uh, I grew up with two much older brothers who enjoyed drinking. Uh, my dad enjoyed drinking. I was around it all the time. Um, so whenever I was old enough, probably not old enough to legally drink, but <laughs> old enough to find it for myself, uh, it was never like, I never like, thought it was a big deal because the people I looked up to the most who were my dad and my big brothers, they did it. So like, why would I not want to do it? And I know you, you made a really good point there in that hopefully what I'm doing with my decision to not partake is maybe changing that legacy a little bit and finding that it's not normal around here. And, you know, and are my kids never going to drink? I hope not, but I, I obviously, I, I don't expect for them. I mean, I, it's not going to be the end of the world to me if they do, um, but they will grow up in a culture where it's not normal. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, and that's not, and that's not the norm, right? especially, and, and I think I, I like to say like, especially in rural America, but and America everywhere. I mean, you said it yourself. I mean, in, in, in not Long Island, that's the way it is too. So, I mean, it's just a, that's a thing that is just kind of a, an American thing. And for me personally, and you know, I, I'm sure there probably be people who would push back at this is uh, I would like to see that change. That's the one, uh, one big thing about America. I would love to see changes, not to have this such normalization around alcohol. Yeah, and I, and I think what we really do even worse is it's it's that real like weekend warrior culture. I feel like that's a lot of what we're about. That's sort of woven into our, that's sort of just like woven into our culture. It's like work hard, play hard, and football Sunday, and all of these other things that really feed into some of that more excessive drinking. Yeah. And yeah. And it's, you know, to, 
I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that it's, it's something that we're kind of changing, you know, a few of us at a time. And I hope that, I hope that it's something that kind of compounds with the few of us that are doing it and, you know, passing that down the line to, to our kids. Uh, you know, I know one can hope, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Nicole, I really appreciate you. And I always say this, the, the second time on the pod, people are on the podcast. I've had that happen a handful of times. Now people come back on the podcast and the second time is always my favorite because there's that, you know, there's, we, we, we get the introductions out of the way and the story out of the way, and we get to have actual real conversations. So uh, I really appreciate you being open to having this conversation with me tonight. Uh, and I really value uh, the things that you have to say. It is my absolute pleasure. And I hope one day this, this conversation is somewhere in person at a, I think at it a will be an, beefy event. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, I think that it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I, I, I that's my hope anyway. Uh, it, that's the, that's the, I feel like that every time I end a podcast, the last oh, month or two, that's what we say. We say, next time we talk, it's going to be in real life. Right. And I, I, I truly believe that that's going to happen very soon. That's, I mean, again, positive outlook, right? Hoping, you know, you wish something into existence. And, but I, I really do truly think that that's going to be the way it is. That's right. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, Jason. Where can people, again, find you online? So where I'm most active is my Instagram, and that's notoriously.nicole.rd. You can visit my website, it's enjoyfoodenjoylife.com. There's a lot of beef-related content there and other ways to connect with me. Very cool. And uh, I will link that in the podcast. Um, I'll link your last episode. I, I, for the life of me, I can't find what episode. Do you remember what episode number you were? Oh, man, this is a long time ago now, Jason. I know. <laughs> I know. That's terrible. I'm trying. Usually I'm like, I have that on top of my head. I'll link that to, I'll mention it in the intro to, uh, that's just, that was, that's totally, see, see what I mean? I'm not really like, I put on this good front that I have it all together, but really that's just a house. Of Don't blow your cover. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Nicole, as always, it's a pleasure, and I, I really do encourage everybody to follow you online. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.